0: is the Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own.
1: Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 79, everyone. Operating on May 31st, 2021. This is Drew. I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Welcome back, Doug.
0: Hey, Drew. We are uh, getting back into our pre-COVID-19 lives with summer quickly approaching. This weekend is the, I guess, technically the official start of summer, right? Of summer, even, yeah, yeah even though it's not day. June 21st, I guess, is the seasonal start. But yeah, Memorial Day is, is kind of that, that annual rite of passage, if you will. We're starting to see traffic jams. People are out and about. I know you've had some crazy days at the airport this week.
1: Yeah, it's been a really tough week as you know, you know, from my constant text, it does seem very normal. It seems like the start of a summer travel season. We got 90% load factors, packed planes, full taxiways, ATC delays for traffic. You know, it's nice to see that again. That's a good mm. problem to have. It's been a very stressful week with thunderstorms. I needed a fun break. Today, we have a return guest. It's my fringe avgeek buddy, Matt. (laughs) We call him Matt Rance, right? I hope we're getting ready for that. We're bracing for impact. (laughs) We used to work together um, as airport ops supervisors way back in the 747 days. Welcome back, Matt.
0: Hey, welcome, guys. Way back in the 747 days was only four years ago. You you make it sound like it was (laughs) decades ago.
1: Well, for our airline, it was even longer than that. And Matt, I think you left in 2010. Does that sound no. about right?
2: 2005. Oh, 2005. wow. See, that's so, wow. such a long yeah, time. Yeah, so that, that was way back. Yeah. Back in the Independence air days.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Oh, true. That's right. Yeah. Good, good throwback. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us again. Don't hold back on the rants. The listeners <laughs> loved it the last time that you're on, so please keep them coming. Drew, I know you want to put it behind you, but how was your week? My week
1: was really tough and I'm not going to burden everyone with the thunderstorms and the delays and all that. But I do want to mention just one thing real quick that w- had a positive ending. So last night we had a flight going to your neck of the woods to San Francisco as a triple seven. Mm-hmm. The plane went out of service for safety reasons, as sometimes they do. We didn't have another triple seven to replace that one with we had to go to a 787. I don't know if you remember, I sent you that, uh, and and Matt, I may have sent you this too. There was a retiring captain who was retiring. His last flight was from Europe and it was a 787 and we Mm -hmm. did, did the water cannon. Yeah. So he retired. So that was like a feel good. And then we have this you know crazy end to my work week with this long delay went into a 787 guess who was flying that 787 to San Francisco
0: yeah that pilot well and you you said that you couldn't find a pilot right and he was supposed to non-rev home or or something like that he was non-revving on that flight but then he had to work well he didn't have to (laughs) he chose to yeah
1: yeah. And I think it's so, such a cool. So let me tell you how, how it turned out. So the flight ops pilot that's in the office, once this is all done and it's like, OK, I'm ready to go home. He's like, hey, got a funny story. And I'm like, my inside voice was like, no, please. I just want to go. Home. <laughs> and he told me about this and I thought it was so cool. So that was my the end of my work week. And I won't talk about the others. How, how
0: was your week? Good. I've got my final flight on active duty on Tuesday that I'm gearing up for yeah it's hard yeah you're shaking your head it's hard to believe that it's it's coming this fast
1: are you going to do the touch and goes in reno
0: i think so that's that's the plan right now We'll we'll see on tuesday but yeah i've I've never been there i'm excited to to try it out see something new for the for the last you, time yeah can i
1: tip off the spotters sure
0: yeah if if we end uh, up going hopefully we do but yeah i mean th- yeah. this isn't my last time flying to like kc10 I'll, I'll be back in it in a few months once i'm done with my airline training but last time flying with the students at the schoolhouse and everything. So it's, it's kind of bittersweet.
1: So what, if you're in the reserves and they mm-hmm. retire the KC-10, do they train you for something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, pro-
0: probably a new tanker, most yeah. likely. Yeah. Matt, what about your week? Funny story about your your aircraft there real fast because my wife's
2: not really into aviation, but I will still quiz her whenever we travel somewhere. <laughs> Every airplane that she guesses is always ends in a question mark. And one <laughs> of the ones, it'll always be... DC ten, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 usually that's. Pretty Have you not easy. taken on
1: her on a trip since
2: 1985? Yeah. What <laughs> when was the well, last time? Well, when we first started traveling, that was that was actually a thing. Yeah, it was but, still a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but that's like a, that one really sticks out. Like you can usually tell that. It's, uh, a DC 10. it's yeah. Like nowadays, like Airbus is like they blend together, but the, the ten definitely will stick out. So she would pretty be confident in that one. But mm-hmm, even right. though, but there was always that question mark, like, you know, that's a DC 10, but you're still doing the question mark. <laughs> so no, funny story on that one.
1: Did she enjoy that or was she annoyed by you asking her?
2: Uh, annoyed for sure. Yes. Because um, <laughs> she doesn't want to be quizzed every time. She didn't know there'd be a test later going on vacation. Like she needs to, she needs to study up on the aircraft recognition cards <laughs> before a trip um now that's translated to my son now though he's kind of taken on the burden of that and he's almost just just as careless about that too like uh you know what kind of plane that is over there and he'd be like uh nope but you're gonna tell me i bet aren't you
0: so well that that sounds like my daughter it's uh when i ask her what airline the airplane is it's either delta or not delta Oh, so
1: that's the air, that's everything. Yeah, she
0: can she can tell what's not Delta, and she knows what's Delta, but she doesn't know what the actual airlines are that are not Delta. So if she sees like Frontier, she's like, next. It's not. It's, yeah, it's not Delta. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But Matt, you've been experiencing some things that uh, I have at the airport. So Matt works in the airline or airport club business, and you've been. You've been packing them in, haven't you?
2: Well, yes. Uh, we actually are back to 100% as of Friday. So Good. Uh, we we were actually probably about 80, 85%. We had some closed seating, but we those have been lifted. So yeah, it's like business as usual for us now. Do you have a wait list to get in? Probably won't be as frequent. Uh, we did have some wait lists. Um, opportunities there for a while just because
0: we couldn't <laughs> offer <couldn't, laughs> opportunities, opportunities. Yes. it makes it sound so great it's extra I love, plane spotting I love getting uh, to the club and having that waitlist opportunity yeah. <laughs> well we we don't
2: like to call it that but we we've been we were brainstorming as to other names to call it like the um <laughs> The list of not coming in, or um,
0: someone, shows up, so, someone shows up. Someone shows up. macos "We would like <laughs> to invite you to join this wait list."
1: <laughs> but wait, Doug. Yeah. Okay, so we were on one of not, not your club, but a couple times. We were on a wait list, a, and we did use times. that as as an opportunity to go visit another club.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Again, right. just twenty minutes. Yeah. It's it's not all bad.
1: We're gonna deep dive a little bit because Doug and I are so we're, we're lounge lizards. You know, we're self. Um, that's how we. Define ourselves when we're at the airport. <laughs> so, what is the service like? Are people serving people food, or is there a buffet? What's What's the setup? Because I know it's changing weekly.
2: So, you yeah, know, one of the the, the things about um, being in, in clubs is that they vary so much mm-hmm. from from city to city, uh, and that's because of local ordinances. Really, because as we're at basically one hundred percent, there are others that are nowhere near, even close to where we are. So, they, there's a okay. lot. Lot to happen for some other places, so I think that will gradually probably be changing, probably fairly quickly now that things are opening back up. So I, I don't think that it's going to be like it was for much longer, especially for ones that are really restrictive. Because mm. I I know that there there are some that are like they just have you know you can you can get food and leave, and that's about it. And oh, and yeah, that's I've been to one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so there there's a big variety out there right now of of what services are offered and what's not it, it's I, I think now that summer is starting the timing is good because um uh, you know up until this point traffic hasn't been you know at its peak i mean there's a lot of revenge travel going on for the last mm-hmm. you know yep. since since like spring break we we definitely saw an uptick right right around this uh, mid-march uh things really started to get busy for us they kind of died down right before school started to get out and so we had kind of a lull there for maybe a week or two, but now it's probably going to be on like Donkey Kong again.
0: <laughs> Doug, did you hear what he said? He said revenge travel. Revenge travel. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pointed at him when he said that. Well, Marissa,
1: that's Marissa started saying that. And then we started using that. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's getting out on. there.
1: All right, Matt, let's dive into Geek World now. You were on the last time. And I just remembered when I was doing the notes for this, that we didn't ask you, like we ask our guests usually about a favorite aviation moment. When you knew that you were into aviation, do you have that? I know this is, I, I put this in last minute, but I just remember we didn't ask right. you. That.
2: Well, for me, I was really born into it, really. So it's kind of a matter of when I remember like my first non rev flights. And this, I think, is a, a later segment where we get into milk mm-hmm. runs. But as soon as I was purchased my first JCPenney polyester suit with the clip <laughs> on tie, <laughs> um, that's probably. Because that was the dress code? I, yeah, that was probably when I knew I was into it because I had to dress that way. Uh-huh. And it was funny because a lot of my pictures from that time, uh, at like my grandparents' house, I'm wearing the non-rev suit because it's because prob- we're like on our way to the airport. <laughs> to the airport. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> the non-rev so it, suit. <laughs> so I, I look like I'm about to go to a job interview or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of funny because my cousin will be next to me and he's like in his jeans and everything else and. Here I, I'm next to him in North Dakota wearing a suit and it, and, it, and it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm glad that this policy has been relaxed because yeah, you could always tell who the non-revs were and it really made no sense. It's like, okay, well here's, here's this couple and they're dressed up nice, but why is their son dressed up like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, are they, are they, are you going to a funeral or, you know, it's like, it just made no sense. And, and the other part of that, that, is crazy to think about now is that since they were s- smoking sections back then, mm-hmm. uh he- here I am 10 years old in my polyester suit, sit next to this <laughs> chain smoking woman yes, who's going, Hey son, where are you, you going to? Said- you <laughs> you <laughs> talked <laughs> about that last time. Yeah. But um, but yeah. I, I yeah, I- if you're sitting in the last row in the smoking section, you know that you're probably in into um Av Geek world if you're um non revving back there. That's that you, you kind of know. <laughs> if that if that's happening to you <laughs> So you were kind of drafted into it right so you, you kind of get drafted into it and then i went into it myself
0: after college so you know I couldn't get away from it Type thing. So, well, hopefully you you wear a better suit now in your club days than your your JC <laughs> polyester, <laughs> polyester with with the clip on tie. We we have to move on, but uh, Drew and I have been overusing this line that we borrowed from Hudson, a spotter in Albany, who tags his post with. And we talked about this last week. You rocking with? And then he puts the airplane type. <laughs> this week it was y'all rocking with the lawn dart. That's his name for the ERJ 175. This is from Hudson, the spotter in Albany. His,
1: his in Instagram. He's Alb underscore spotter. So Hudson, if you're listening, thanks for the material for two shows now. The lawn dart made me laugh because that's exactly what an Embraer 145 looks like. Matt, you and I were rocking with the guppies back in the day. Can you avsplain what a guppy is, and maybe you have some other nicknames we haven't heard of for airplanes?
2: Mm, well, the guppy, yes, is, uh, is I think primarily was for the 737 like 300 series because uh, I don't know because engines were made him look a little more fat. I don't know, but well, it's, it's short, um, and st- short and stocky. Yeah. But yeah, the, that evolved, I think from even the thunder guppy was the 200. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there was more than one kind of guppy, I guess you said the regular thunder guppy, re- regular guppy and then thunder guppy. And
0: they times. still, they still use guppies today at certain airlines. And I, I, I know a screenshot of this to drew <laughs> a, a pre-hired so pre-hire group that I'm on on Facebook for, for the airline that I was hired with, they were asking, what the, what the drop was this week. And someone commented and said all guppies, 100% guppies. And then they listed the domiciles and everything. And it just made us laugh because Drew and I have talked about that. We we also had we uh we had someone else on recently and they talked about Sparky I think I, I don't remember who it was, that was me <laughs> well no 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 you have brought it up but I, I think oh, one someone of our else guests, mentioned it uh, yeah one of our guests or someone made the the comment about Sparky
1: the names we have Sparky we have Bigfoot for the triple seven and we've got, uh, yes uh, right didn't we used to call that but that seems to be going away like the newer airline employees they just call it seven thirty seven triple seven I'm not hearing a lot of names doug you have some names for uh some military transports yeah we oh, do I and i've yeah. i've got
0: a t-shirt for it too we we call the, the kc10 big sexy
1: yeah i know i <laughs> love it
0: Yep, yeah, yeah I, i've got a, a t-shirt with that on <laughs> it's it's great and then i i know pencil jet is that what your airline calls the 75 because i i know we call it that i've heard other people call it that too
1: no, I think it's just me. I'm trying just to get you. it to, okay. yeah, to trend, but not having any success. And we have so few now.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Matt, you had some names for the MD-80, I think.
2: Well, there was any any DC product, you could call it diesel, like diesel 9 or, or diesel 10. <laughs> oh, that's well, right.
1: The diesel 9, diesel 10.
2: I think North like North, Northwest, I think, like, like to call their DC 9s, diesel 9s. Hmm. Guys, let's
1: get some work done, work if you will, with a couple news items, three news items this week.
0: Doug, what do we have? The first one is going nowhere fast. Does supersonic air travel have a future after Arion? Drew, we talked about this several months ago and we, we were excited about this company this florida-based plane maker Arion, was planning for their as3 airliner to carry 50 passengers 7,000 nautical miles at mach 4 that's four times the speed of sound the plane would have been the first supersonic airliner since the Concorde was retired 17 years ago due to high cost environmental impact unfortunately the company shut down on may 21st with their billionaire backer of 18 years possibly losing patience NetJets, which is a corporate jet-sharing business, had rights to purchase 20 of the AS-2 jets, which were to be built before the AS-3, but no money seems to have changed hands. This now leaves a Denver-based Boom with plans for an 80-seat airliner that can fly Mach 2.2 in the works. Gel has already paid $10 million up front for their first 20 aircraft, and Virgin has purchased rights for 10 planes. So it looks like Boom is the only one who's possibly left in this space at this point.
1: Well, yeah, and it seems more attainable, right? So instead of four times the speed of sound, boom is two point two, and the business plan more, makes more sense. It's eighty seats versus mm-hmm. fifty 15. seats. Like, yeah, and the fact that um, JAL Japan Airlines has actually put up real cash. Mm-hmm. But you guys, Matt and Doug, is there really any 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 desire for these from the traveling public? I mean, I don't hear, I don't see anyone clamoring for this. Like, what do you guys think? I mean, is it something we really need right away?
0: Well, my question is the sustainability piece that that's becoming a really big deal in aviation, right? All, all these airlines talking about going green, all the, yeah. the manufacturers yeah. doing that can, can a supersonic airplane really be sustainable? Possibly, probably not because you're at this point, you're just throwing gas on the fire. And I think right. that uh, especially younger generations who are a little bit more conscientious of sustainability than than some of us some of the older generation i think they're losing their appetite for something like this so i i'm going to be the naysayer here and, and say i don't see boom succeeding either even though they have a, a money already they have a better business model matt what what do you think yeah i'm, I'm in agreement there uh i mean th- boeing
2: was playing with the sst for oh, like 50 years ago now and if it hasn't materialized at least in the US on a larger scale by now i mean yeah. it, it, it just seems like it's it could be another 50 years i think the technology i think there is moving away from from supersonic at least in the traditional sense like the concord anyway mm-hmm. uh be, just because of like with uh you know virgin galactic and and that type of technology using like the edge of space and that kind of thing to me makes more sense and i think e- e- from a, a standpoint of impact to the environment. I think that's probably less uh, of an issue Or I, I don't think people want their windows broken as planes are going over their house. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, I mean, I mean it, just, it just seems like if it's over the ocean or something or remote, mm-hmm. may, maybe, uh, but it's just like uh, the whole, the whole, the whole sound barrier thing is literally the biggest barrier that, that could never get hurtled really literally, because it's just like, it's so, noisy and it's like it's just not friendly for really anyone and like what's the demand there i mean really i mean if you are looking to go from you know uh london to to new york you i think there that's probably a market that pete there's a demand for but Mm -hmm. uh, i i don't know like how many people can you you're going to service 50 to 80 people it just seems like if you can't do large numbers uh I, i don't know like even if you look at uh, an RJ, 50 seats, it didn't work for independence there. So why would it work? Just because you can get somebody there so much faster, it's still only 50 people.
0: Well, and, and who are the people who mainly bought tickets on the Concord?
2: Oh, business. Right. B- business. business, And and right. at this
0: point, we don't know if and when business is going to return and what scale it will actually return in. And so doing a a project like this at this point is a huge risk when, when we don't know what that business travel will look like in five years, 10 years.
1: Well, the whole purpose of the speed is to conduct business faster, right? You want to get there fast so you can meet with them. You can turn on your computer and meet with them right now via Zoom. So I don't think that's so much of a concern to be there to meet with them within three hours from New York. Plus the other thing, you know, with all this, people just want to disconnect a little bit. Right, and a seven-hour flight to London gives you time to just disconnect. And if there's Wi-Fi, so if you want to continue working and conducting business, you can do that during the flight. Mm-hmm. And just from an AvGeek perspective, I'm in no rush to get to London in three hours. If I'm an AvGeek and I'm going on a trip, give me three meals, two movies, and a live flatbed. I am I am happy as a clam.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> you're you're set at that point. Well, I would just say that uh, four times the speed, four times the delay. I mean. <laughs> What, right. what what kind of delays are you looking at? If you if you have a mechanical, it's like okay, well, we're going to have to go build another plane. It's going to be two <laughs> weeks.
1: You know that is a good point because if it's a three hour flight and your plane's on a three hour mechanical, the triple seven across the continent
0: at the same time. At <laughs> the same time. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> All right, next story. Now this story gets very involved, and I'm just going to keep it to the basics. Everyone's heard about it on the news. This is about the Ryanair flight that was uh, diverted from uh, this traveling is Ryanair flight 4978 from Athens, Greece to Vilnius. It was forcibly diverted to Minsk in the country of Belarus. The flight was escorted by Belarusian fighter jets to the capital where an, the, an opposition activist who was on board, his name is Roman Patrasevich, was arrested. On Wednesday, ESA, ESA, the European version of the FAA, put out a directive for member country airlines to avoid Belarusian airspace. The day before that, the president of the European Commission announced that the bloc was closing our airspace to airlines from Belarus after their quote-unquote outrageous behavior. Even other major major airlines outside of Europe, including Singapore Airlines, have vowed to bypass that country on the way to Asia. Russia, which is an ally of Belarus, has taken days to grant clearance to Austrian airlines and Air France to fly to Moscow using the Russian airspace to be able to skirt around Belarus. There's a bunch of restrictions already in place for flights over the Ukraine, which is a country just south of Belarus. So this is causing a lot of complications for inter-country international travel. The Belarusian airline Belavia has been banned from flying to 16 countries. Now this this the impacts of these diversions around these countries are longer flight times you have refuel stops the need for additional crew so there's regulations for this guys so they were created in international law in 1944 under the Chicago Convention that the skies are generally free so now you have a situation where for political reasons they're diverting these planes so this this happened in Ukraine, for safety reasons, this is mainly for political reasons. ICAO, which is the International Civil Aviation, uh, helping organization, out, organization. There you go. Council is currently investigating whether Belarus has violated the Chicago Convention. The CEO of Osprey Flight Solutions, his name is Andrew Nicholson. He advises airlines on flight risks around the world and warns that this is the first time a mechanism designed to ensure the safety and security of air travel has allegedly been used for political ends, and that's what's worrying. And it's also the political response. So it's p- politics on both sides now, as far as Belarus. So if you start p- playing politics with flight safety, you're setting up, out on a slippery slope, he argues. Doug and Matt, what do you think about this?
0: Well, should we we should explain to the listeners too, kind of what happened with this. There was a fake bomb threat or a supposed bomb threat on the airplane. And the, the fighters were esc- or dispatched and, and intercepted the airplane. They told the pilots that there was a, a bomb threat. And the pilots actually questioned that normally Mm -hmm. normally as as a pilot when you hear that you say okay let's let's go let's do this but you're also hearing from dispatch you're hearing from other from atc you're getting lots of different words this was just coming from the fighters and and the pilots were saying we want to talk to our our dispatch we want to verify that this is a a credible threat and they weren't allowed to do that and so the the pilots then had no other option but to divert which uh, okay, maybe there was a credible threat. We don't know. We maybe will we'll never find out. But the fact that this country then took passengers off the airplane, this mm-hmm. is a very, very slippery slope. And, and not getting into the politics of this, as you mentioned, Drew, there are the freedoms of the air. And I, I believe that the... Uh, I'll have to look it up. I should have done it before this. But I think the first freedom of the air is that uh, a plane flying from one country to another that's not registered in the country that it's overflying is allowed yeah. to overfly that country. They when it's to... above 25,000 feet or something. Yeah, uh, there are okay. certain restrictions. They have to pay for it. So these airlines, they're, they're paying Belarus a, a certain amount per mile. And we, we've talked about this mm-hmm. in a previous episode. Yeah, the, the, hopefully this doesn't happen again because this could become a very dangerous situation around the world.
1: Well, I'm glad that there was um, a strong response from the other countries because now Belarus is is suffering. They're not going to get any tourist traffic now from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Their airline can't fly to 16 countries.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And they're not just like you said, they're not getting the income from that air traffic. We'll see. I I can tell you when 2014, when the Malaysian airline was uh, shot down over the Ukraine, Mm -hmm. flights were skirting the Ukraine. And Robbie and I were traveling from Frankfurt to Colombo on Sri Lankan Airlines on an A330. And our flight path would have gone right over the Ukraine, but watching on the map, we skirted right over. And it, you know, 10 hours is a long time on an A330. So that probably added another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, to the point where any longer the plane would have had to stop somewhere for fuel.
0: Moving on to our final topic for today, this is from Forbes What the new airline of Velo and Breeze mean for US aviation? Drew and Matt, we've talked about both of them quite extensively. So we're, we're not necessarily going to talk too much about them as an airline, but mainly what this means for the, the aviation industry as we move forward. Avello began service with an Allegiant style business model operating out of Burbank with 737s. Breeze, we talked about that last week, started with 195s. It's eventually getting A220s. Both are starting as air travel begins to normalize with significantly lower costs than larger airlines. Uncertainty in air travel demand, especially business travel, creates concerns about capacity and price stability. The two carriers are disruptors who, like People Express, Southwest and JetBlue, benefit from the public with lower fares and sometimes better service, too. Despite the economy still in recovery, these two carriers will benefit from lower costs, not having wide-body aircraft and their associated high costs, and being able to make money on leisure travel where majors may struggle due to their higher costs. Andrew Levy, the CEO of Velo, was the successful president of Allegiant and CFO at United, while Nealman has success with each of his previous startups in Canada, Brazil, and the US. Guys, let's not talk about the airlines themselves, but more what we think this is going to do for the, the future of aviation in the US moving forward. Matt, since Drew and I have talked about this extensively, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I,
2: I think that um, you know their their business model with point point travel is is definitely a, a plus for them. Uh, I mean, the hub and spoke works for large airlines for sure, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think there's definitely a, a market for people that you know want to try and bypass uh, those type of you know you know connecting flight options. Uh, I I just wonder if you know you're if you're relying on people that live in in those markets to to be sustainable that way Uh, i i I mean sure it depends it really depends on on your routes and if people are coming back uh it's maybe a good time to be to be starting that the the one thing i'm kind of concerned about is just about like the size i think 737 is a great plane to use Mm -hmm. just the the 190 though that that's kind of a question mark for me uh it's a great size for for a regional jet if the if the market of uh, dictates that, but it's it's just kind of like, you, you know, I think they're going to have some challenges just like any other startup does. Um, and uh, time will tell if if they can support the markets they're going to fly. But it, I well, think, I, you
0: know, they, they have some good ideas. I think the 190 is, is close to a 737-700 from a, a capacity standpoint or like a 717 it's just
1: over it's about 110 yeah which but matt you know you're talking about that maybe not being the best airplane but this is a temporary because they got these pretty cheap is my understanding mm -hmm, but they're moving into the a220 which is what doug 120
0: seats Uh, yeah in in their configuration probably 120 super economical
1: yeah i mean my thoughts on this i would say 10 years ago maybe this wouldn't be possible but air traffic is growing so now maybe there are enough people that want to fly from Los Angeles to Santa Rosa every day mm-hmm. on a set to fill a 737. I don't know if that would, be, would have been possible in the 80s or 90s. And just the people at, that are leading these, they're successful. They've been successful running airlines. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a chance that it could work for both of them. Do, do you know what their distribution
0: is Are are they on the GDSs, or are they like Southwest? I, I haven't looked into this, that, that could be a big that's factor good. because if people yeah. don't know that they're there and don't know to look for them, like Southwest right. to Southwest is not on the global distribution systems. People have yeah. to know to look at Southwest. How are people going to find these? I, I have, again, I haven't done a kayak or Expedia search to right. see if they're showing up, but yeah, what,
1: that's, that's a good point. Cause there was it. Um, Avello is using the Allegiant model. Allegiant, mm-hmm. you can't find it on Expedia or,
0: or right. on Kayak or anything. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I don't know why that. I, I think
0: that would be good for them to be on it because that's where I look. Cost though, if, if they're trying to get this low cost model, playing on, on the GDSs is expensive and, and, it cuts off your bottom line and so if you're able to get i think where allegiant succeeds is because they fly to places like fargo and Mm -hmm. minot and places like that where there's not a lot of traffic to begin with and and people know hey there's a three-time weekly flight from fargo to vegas and if i if i want to fly non-stop i'm going to go on allegiant so i i wonder if it's more of a targeted they're not looking for the masses like united delta american southwest it's more right. of this finite just those city well, pairs. yeah, they could
1: have targeted media campaigns just in Los Angeles and just mm-hmm. in Santa Rosa. yeah, you know, Orobello.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Matt,
2: anything else on that? I think uh, I mean at one time the GDS was king, and you know Doug's point, you know you you really had to be in one of those major systems to to get noticed uh, and for travel agencies in particular to to book uh, your airline. Mm -hmm. And I think with the internet now, I don't necessarily think GDS is as big of a deal as it used to be just because the Southwest of the world have been successful without that. You know, it's one of those things where market is definitely important and it kind of is like almost like a word of mouth, so to speak, because, uh, you know, in in Fargo, you know, word, word, word travels fast fast. without yeah, even without advertising. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is people will find out about it uh, in places like that. But if you're in a major market like LA, yeah, that might start to get a little cloudy. But uh, I think of the other markets
0: uh, that are smaller, I think it might be a little easier to target your audience. Well, to, to your point, Matt, what mainly what I meant by the GDS and, and how you kind of have to be on there is you, Drew, myself, a lot of the listeners on the podcast, we know how to price shop we know what airlines we first of all, we, we know what we want to fly, we know where to go to look to find them. And it may not be on Expedia or kayak, we might go directly to that website. A lot of the people who are flying these airlines fly once a year, and, and they don't know how to to price shop, they don't know how to go to united.com, delta.com, right. avello.com. And what they do is they go to these the GDS, they go to the Expedia, the orbits, the kayaks, and, and they see whatever is the cheapest on there. So that's what I mean, if they're not on the GDS, I feel like they're going to lose a lot of those people who might know about them. That's yeah. that's just my thought. Southwest I mean, can do it because they have a huge following and, and right. people like Southwest and they purposely know to go and look there.
1: Exactly. I mean, just like this podcast, you know, it's on Apple Podcasts and it's on these other distributors, if you will, or other platforms where you can get it, where people are just looking for aviation podcasts and they happen to see ours. And that's, that's basically kayak where you can shop around. And I, if I were starting an airline, I would definitely, I know that, you know, that would affect your costs because you pay them a little percentage, but I think you get a lot more coverage. If you were
0: on that, you have to spend money to make money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Speaking of low fare carriers, let's talk about frontier. No, not F nine frontier, which is their airline code right now. Let's go back to the frontier of F L, which was their airline code. Ah, uh, back in the '80s, Matt. We regaled everyone with our stories from the Alaska milk run, but you told me about some milk runs on Frontier, some milk runs that Frontier had. Uh, first of all, can you explain milk run for our listeners?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there was really any running of milk, but um, <laughs> but but it was. Uh, yeah, before the hub and spoke system, like all of your flights could take you all day to get from A to B because you had to go actually from A to B to C to D to get to E. Um and so if you're if you're like me and you and you're like 10 years old in your leisure shoot, uh <laughs> it was it was fun because you're like you get all these different segments um thrown in there that you normally wouldn't have today. One of the earliest ones that I used to do was from Denver that went up to Rapid City and then continued up to Grand Forks and then to Fargo. And that was all in seven thirty seven two hundred. You know, that was always f- fun to, to for me. But uh, you know if you wanted to get there in a hurry that You know, took much longer, of course. You know, that was something I did multiple times. And another one that we were talking about was uh, from Denver to Sacramento and then to Stockton, which I don't believe even has air service right now. So considering it was a 737, that was a a ridiculously large airplane to be flying in the in the early eighties there. And I'm I wanna say that there was a subsidy involved. I'm I'm hoping because there, I can't see how they would have made any money um, going to a market that small back then. But it was a tag along. And, you know, s- flight time from Sacramento to Stockton can't be more than oh, it's, uh, it's like 15 a, minutes, a, 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I go down there quite a bit. Yeah, I even remember doing a power back in Sacramento <laughs> and, and sitting there at the window watching the clamshell open. And that was just, I mean, that was really cool for me too. But what um, you, you
1: have to explain what a power back is. Because ninety percent uh, of our listeners do not know what that is.
2: It's very um, hard on the engines, and uh, it's basically doing uh, doing a pushback with no tug, yep. and you're using engine power only, and uh, you're throwing it in reverse <laughs> with thrust and back it up and throw dust and dirt mm-hmm. and everything else around and clean up the ramp a little bit, and <laughs> hopefully you don't throw a rock through the windshield, the window, of the terminal.
0: DC Nine's were famous for the power DC back ones. too, mm-hmm.
1: and I don't know if you guys like I. I can't remember a power back ever turning. I think they would be just straight back.
0: I mean, would they ever turn? I I think so. Yeah. Just, just from a a clearance perspective, the captain probably went out and checked behind them when they powered back. And if you start to turn, then you lose that, that sight. Right. I mean, at certain airports, the pushbacks are straight back anyways. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. They are. Yeah. Now. And, and the hand,
0: the hand signals for power back is really
2: cool because it's a disco move where you're rolling your hands like you're oh. doing some kind of a line dance or something. Uh-huh. So, so you, you 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 spin your batons like you're you're in a disco, and uh-huh. you know that that means that, that's back. like that's like the best thing that. So that's when they do that. That means the engines are are in reverse stage, and then when they you know stop, and then you know they're good to go. But well, mm-hmm. wait a
1: minute, you you worked on the ramp. Did you ever work on the when the plane
2: was powering back? no uh, i did not uh however though uh so- something similar though uh when i worked uh in denver and we ground handled airbc had uh the 146 and they would they would uh taxi out on their own power so they would they would pull straight in and then they would turn out that didn't last long because as they were turning out uh that was you know thrust back into the building so um mm-hmm. some the, the Trampers didn't like that too much at the gate next door whenever they left spitting rocks everywhere.
1: Doug and I have some questions on this milk run. So were they full? It depends.
2: Uh, Sometimes they were. Actually, another milk run uh, when we used to come back from Fargo uh, stopped in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, we got bumped off several times being non-revs coming back, going to Denver. And this was probably closer to like 85 or so. But I always wanted to get bumped off because that meant that we went (laughs) to the Holiday Inn. Uh and i get to go swimming go swimming (laughs) yeah so so after the first time i always packed my swimming trunks so if we got bumped i would be ready so it happened the second time and i was just like i was so happy it was like (laughs) oh this is awesome get to go swimming
0: drew i i think we need to explain to the listeners why this is such a big deal in 85 86 it's post deregulation when when my dad was on he talked about flying from northern wisconsin down to chicago that yeah. was de- that was regulation era, though, where they ha- where you look at the route map and it's like a bus. All, all the airlines have all these multiple stops, yeah, all these stops. Th- this was Frontier doing this in the 80s post deregulation. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the cities that Matt just described, there is no way that any of those probably could support a 737-200 nonstop service to Denver even once a day, just from a, a numbers standpoint. Because th- this was in the Not days it. before regional jets. It was regional props, 19 Mm -hmm. seats, Beechcraft, that didn't have the range like CRJs and and ERJs. Well, I don't know.
1: I mean, with these airlines, like Avello flying nonstop to Santa Rosa, you never know. I mean, Stockton is really small.
2: Well, interesting um, fast forward here. Uh, Even as late as, I believe, 1997 or 98, United was flying Sioux Falls, Denver in a 727, now, oh, wow. Okay. Now, now, granted, this was only once a day. So mm-hmm. it was that was the last, like, uh, an afternoon flight. And I believe there was a lot of mail. Um, but, like, uh, when I was with Great Lakes, so we were flying a 1900 on that route. And then United was flying a 727. So you had two g- greatly different aircraft on <laughs> yeah, the same totally route. different products. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I misconnected on... Great Lakes, uh, but I'm rebooked on a on a jet with first class later in the <laughs> evening, so hey, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not bad. That's fine. And we used to reroute all of our bags uh, on them, which was a nice option to have because we used to get hunting gear uh, during, uh, like, I guess duck season so like well, we'd be weight restricted to 19 passengers 19 bags but we'd send them all over to United and they'd send them over you know no problem
0: yeah that's that's fascinating just thinking back to that that era so thanks for talking to us Matt thanks for taking the time to talk about the milkrons but speaking of the milkrons one of our listeners Russ, who we met in Alaska on the milkron suggested airline cabin etiquette as our ops topic for this week so that's what we're gonna do. Drew, you and I have pretty much we're pretty much on the same page on a lot of these things, but we want to see what a fringe Av geek or a, a civilian, I guess, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe Matt's a civilian. He's the
1: closest thing we have. Right?
0: Yeah. What What, what do he thinks? So let's let's just go down the list. We'll ask you, Matt, what you think. Drew and I have already talked about this quite extensively. We can maybe throw a little bit in here or there, but we'll we'll start with the first one: middle seats and armrest. What's the etiquette for this, Matt? Mm, well, he has to think about it. I know. <laughs> The etiquette. Well, I mean, usually you should at
2: least get to use part of it. It's like either the front part or the back part to me. It's like if there should be, you should be able to share it somehow, but don't don't Bogart the whole thing.
1: No, this is real talk now. So the middle yeah. person gets both armrests. <laughs> they get
0: both. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, because the defense. aisle the aisle can lean, the window, yeah, can, the lean. window can
2: lean. Mm-hmm. I would probably agree that, yes, uh, you should be entitled to that. But I'm sure that most people that are in the middle seats would disagree with that. Are the people that are on the outside? I mean, the, oh, yeah. the window, the the window yeah, the, on the aisle would probably they take, say, "Oh, well, yeah."
0: I, they take they take both. All right. The <laughs> the next one is reclining an economy. Well, and and in reclining an economy, uh,
2: yeah, I have some stories about not reclining an economy, sitting in the bulkheads. I could rant about that for a while. But, um, <laughs> uh, um, I have I have a nightmare story that I, I will keep this very fast. Going from L.A. to Sydney in seventy six H and K. Uh, being the only only two seats as <laughs> only two seats and as non-revs, it would work together. I should have just sat somewhere else with uh, and let my wife be somewhere else. Because it's like, oh, there's seventy open seats, yet all of them are middle, and two of them are in the very back.
1: What kind of plane is this? It has seventy six? Is this a seventy four? It was, yeah.
2: Okay, four hundred. All right,
1: window. Sh- okay, so reclining. So Doug, you and I don't agree about agree about this. What what are your
0: thoughts on reclining on in economy? I usually try not to, unless it's like maybe a a red eye or something. But my thoughts are, if the seat is allowed to recline, then people are allowed to recline them. But I choose, I usually generally choose not to.
1: Uh, Oh man, we can't have a fake fight on that because I I agree too. Yeah. If I'm in economy, I rarely put the seat back. But is it my right to put it back? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because if the airline offers me that
2: inch of recline, I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm.
1: Window shades, Matt, what do you think?
2: Depends on the time of day, though. Okay. I mean, I don't think I don't think that that kind of varies, especially with the um, w- where the sun is, especially too. Because if you're on one side of the airplane and it's like, especially if it's on the ground too, like I know that to try and keep the heat down some. That I don't know if that really makes any difference. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it does, but yeah. But um, it, it, to me, it's like, well, how how much aviation are you able to see at that time? So it's like. Mm-hmm you know, are you, are you in the clouds or are you, are you on the ground taxing? Is there lots of, can you take
0: pictures? Uh, you know, cause if the answer is no, then maybe the shades can come down on that topic. I don't know if you guys saw this week that American sent an internal memo out to the flight attendants telling them not to auto lock the seven, eight, seven windows. That's, that's a big win, uh, a big af geek win.
1: Yeah, that could be frustrating when it's just daytime and, you know, people aren't, it's not an issue of people trying to sleep, you should be able to open and close your, you know, your shade.
0: Yeah, but you you asked me my thoughts, I will open it if it if there's an aviation moment going on, like Matt said, other than that, I, if I'm not looking out the window, I'll, I'll keep it an inch, maybe cracked just so I can see what's going on out there. But I, I won't have it blazing bright now using the bathroom in your assigned class. I'm curious about this one, Matt. Not your first. Mm, uh, etiquette
2: on that. Um, considering that I've had to meet many a flight because of this violation, uh, this is kind of a touchy <laughs> subject for me, and I could rant <laughs> about this for quite some time. I, I, I mean, there's also the issue of, of, you know, what if you've got a, a lab that's me on mel that's or deferred? It's like, so I mean, what? Are, what do you? I mean, a bathroom is a bathroom, but I understand the, the whole. If you're in first class, it's kind of just. Dis- distracting and disruptive Uh, you can't i mean it's it pretty much i kind of get it um it but it really depends on the aircraft type too so uh and how many bathrooms are available because it seems like some are more if it's just like a 737 then obviously that's going to be very distracting but i think maybe wide bodies it's not as big of a deal
1: i would say use the toilet in your cabin unless it's an emergency if it's an emergency just go use whatever lab is available Mm mm-hmm because no one wants a situation, you know, none of the crew wanted to have to deal with that.
2: <laughs> but everybody then has an emergency. So it's hard to police that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's your you had, you know, you have to make a judgment call. And yeah, if you're having an emergency, forget about what cabin go use the restroom as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I'm not against the separation of lavatories at if you know if someone paid enough to get the first class seat or if they pay enough to the airline to get the upgrade to be in first class, then mm-hmm. one of the benefits that comes with that is maybe not having to wait in line. And I, I know I've flown first class a lot recently. I've talked about that, but I've also done my fair share of economy and I avoid walking up to the front even when other people are doing it because I I'm a rule follower and I know that's a rule. And I also don't want to disrupt the the paying passengers up front. Call button, pressing the call button, the flight attendant call button. Matt, what what's the etiquette on this, in your opinion? To me, that's like don't. Wh- what is the call button really even there
2: for? I mean, if you have a legitimate issue, then yes. Uh, to me, that's like kind of like the um, pulling the cord on a, a bus or like on a subway. It's like you're going to stop the train if you do that. So it's like. So I, I, I think I respect the profession too much to be even using that for anything like, mm. you know, I think you need to have a legitimate reason if you're really going to use that.
1: I agree. Don't use a call button. I mean, if you absolutely have been trying to get their attention for a cup of water for an hour and you're not getting it, then I would. But that would be last resort. Yeah, so I'd say only for an urgent need, Doug.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, the the couple of times that I've done it in the last several months, I've felt really bad about it. And I think I've texted you too, Drew. I, I was like, I'm trying to get their attention. I, I want a cup of water. Yeah. I don't want to hit the call button, but it's getting to the point where I, I kind of have to, and I, I feel bad about it. And then I'm always really apologetic and I make sure that they see me press it. So it goes Mm -hmm. off so they don't have to do that. So if you are going to use it, know that if you push it again, the light goes off. That's, I I feel like common courtesy. At the risk of not being in the know, but
2: isn't, isn't there a carrier that has like some kind of a beverage service, like through the, like a iPad or something on your seat? Uh, I don't know. Is that a better thing?
1: Wasn't Virgin USA starting that where you'd order your food or your drink through your IFE?
0: Virgin America, they, they might have been. I'm they not sure. Yeah. Oh, they're Alaska now, so it's over. <laughs> yeah, because screens are gone. All right, next one is taking someone else's seat. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? This, this, you know, I hadn't flown in a long time, but, you know,
2: when we went to Tampa recently, that somebody was in our seat, and it just, it seems so avoidable. It's like, you know, there's numbers above the seats for a reason so how, how do you make that mistake and, and and a funny story uh my mom was traveling as a non several many many years ago and she was actually in first class uh Stedman who is Oprah's, Oprah's significant other person uh, was sitting in her seat so that that was that's like one of the funniest stories of someone else being in your <laughs> seat so and what happens to say like what's well, this oh he's like he was apologetic he's a nice guy but uh, Mm -hmm. it was just pretty funny like oh excuse me um sir you're you may be in my seat it's (laughs) like because it's like uh, but i'll gladly sit over here so that's okay i would never take someone else's seat i
1: mean why would you do that i mean i may have done it some one time by mistake but i would never take it and if i wanted someone else's seat to sit sit next to someone i would wait till they're there you wait and i'd ask them
0: yeah, that yeah, me, right. me too. E- even uh, there are times where I've been separated from Poppy. It's just the two of us traveling and I can't let a four-year-old sit by herself several rows up. I put her in her seat. I go to my seat and I wait until the people get there and then I ask them. And of course, okay. with kids, they're they're going to move, but mm-hmm. yeah, wait. Don't don't just automatically take it and expect that someone is going to agree to switch with you. Well, that's the last of Russ's list. Anything else you guys can think of that we should debate in this? <laughs> no, I
1: think the next list that I'm going to have covers anything we missed.
0: <laughs> I think that's true.
2: let's <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, excited um, for this. Well, Matt, did you have anything else? No, no, keep going. Cause yes, I like this next topic. This is from, so I I did some research,
1: you know, we're talking to each other about our thoughts and it's very similar to what the traveling public also sees as annoying on the airplanes. So I found this, this is from Condé Nast magazine. It's a really good high quality travel magazine, which I used to read when people used to read magazines. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So they have the 14 things that people, their readers think are annoying as far as passengers i'm not gonna read all 14 unless you want me to you guys but let's just go through the top top 10 so the number one was the rear seat kicker Mm -hmm. right we all hate that inattentive parents so that could be you guys actually i've never traveled with you guys and your kids so that could be you (laughs) the aromatic passenger (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
2: no that's a pleasant way of putting it (laughs)
1: Uh, what else do we have? We have the audio and sensitive that that is at the top. For that's me. my yeah, top. You know that. Yeah, that's you know, my when top. we were sitting at that gate with mm-hmm. someone on a speakerphone. So it's like where are we're an earphone. The boozer. That could be us. I mean, we're just, a f- you know, two dinks away from being that person. But we can manage,
0: you know, how much we drink. That's so. a, it's, it's the management piece. It, cool. It's the people who can't manage that make other people upset.
1: Yeah. So if you're reaching your limit, you know, have some coffee or a loaf of bread or something, you know, then you have the chatty Kathy that could also be us. (laughs) Yeah. The Q jumper. What do you think that is?
0: That drives me crazy. That's the people who you're in line and they jump in line in front of you or or you're standing at the gate. They say, Hey, group two, you can board. And then someone gets in front of you and the gate agent has to say, sir, you're group seven, please step back. Got it.
1: Okay, yeah, that's annoying. Seat back guy. I don't know what that is. Maybe that they're punching uh,
0: the. Is that the recline buttons?
1: Seat back. Oh, reclining the seat. So it might be yeah, the recline. It's your recline? Okay, mm-hmm. so that's number eight.
2: Well, I have a rant about that. What? I have a rant about that. Go
0: ahead. You know, well,
2: there, it's it's related to seat back. The thing that I hate is when there'll be somebody that will use your seat as their like their their personal. Like, hand
0: rail to get
2: in and out of there to get seat up and oh, they gra- yeah. yeah oh yeah. that might be what it you is that yeah.
0: might be but yeah like, they
2: grab the seat to stand up it's like they mm-hmm. almost rip the seat the top of the seat off trying to get out of their seat and and like ah, <sighs> oh, man i just hate that it's like dude it's like yeah, I, i'm sitting i'm si- i'm sitting here and i feel like you're i'm about to you're about to break the seat in half <laughs> Yeah, use the
1: armrest to balance or something. And speaking of armrests, you know the armrest hog is number nine. I thought it would be higher up on the list. So this is, you know, if you're in the middle and someone's hogging the armrest, you know, someone on the more, the desirable seats. Number ten is pungent foodies. So don't bring any pungent food. You know, any hot curries or tuna fish or an egg sandwich. You know, leave that at home. The undresser. So this is someone who uh, I guess changes into their uh, pajamas. On that flight, that says.
0: or have you been hit by someone who's taking their jacket off? Oh, they, yeah. they stretch their arm all the way out and they're all up in your personal space. Oh, are yep. they taking their shoes off? Oh yeah, that's that's a big one oh, too. No. Yeah, keep them on. Yeah,
1: um the amorous. These are the lovey dovey couples on board. We don't need to see that on board. You know, save that for when you're on your at your hotel room. The mad bladder. That would probably be me. Sometimes I'm anxious. And I gotta go to the bathroom three times on the
0: flight. So sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm guilty of that too from time yeah. to time
1: and i always take a window seat so that's double annoying cuz yeah. not do not have to go all the time i have to make two, kind of two people get up yeah <laughs> sorry sorry the single and ready to mingle <laughs> is the last one just know if you have a receptive audience if you're single and ready to mingle with your
2: with your um with your
0: seatmates yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: was was all that right, i virgin. think we got everything <laughs> was that virgin that was to trying to be matchmaker and trying to set people up before the flight based on their their bios or something yeah
1: i think it was and i think some of these airlines i know american has it where you can text someone in a different seat that could be dangerous
0: we tried that though and it didn't work very well no because remember i tried texting you on the triple seven yeah and i asked you for like an hour if if it went through and and you said you couldn't figure out how to get it and i couldn't figure out out i couldn't figure out how to see if you read it we sound yeah. Drew, we, we, we're making ourselves sound so old right know, now. Right? <laughs> we yes. couldn't uh, figure how out these, that how
1: planes work. <laughs>
0: the IFE. Or maybe they could just have a, a, a can and
2: two strings that you could tie between the seats. Wouldn't that work just about as well?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh the the telephone game. I just tap like tap on the guy in front of you and say, Hey, can you tell the person in four F <laughs> that, that I say hi or something like that? Right. <laughs> All right. Well, before we close out this Matt Rants 2.0 episode, let's thank our listeners for your support. Drew, I heard that we own Mondays now.
1: Yes. So we've had uh, a number of people (laughs) mention they like listening to us on Mondays, but we got these two just this week. So we had two comments uh, about people starting out their work weeks with us. Uh, Listener David in North Carolina said, your podcasts have made pandemic Mondays more bearable. And then our buddy Russ in San Francisco said, lovely Monday AM driving to work in, Uh, podcast update from the boys so (laughs) from the
0: boys
1: (laughs) oh the
0: fellas yeah Yeah,
1: and um just real quick speaking of uh, russ and he's the one who gave us this idea for the cabin etiquette so thank you russ you know we're we talked about our mission is creating a community of aviation Mm -hmm. um enthusiasts yep so the people that joined us on the milk run two of them were russ and ian they didn't know each other right and now they are planning to do a mileage run Mm -hmm. so we've created that you know that avgeek friendship so
0: um that's great so it's nice to see that yeah that's awesome uh, matt it was great having you on and, and thanks for helping make our listeners monday or whatever day you listen fun anything else you want to share with our listeners before we go i'm sure we'll have you back on again in, in a few months No, so uh, always uh fun to, to chat with you guys and uh yeah hopefully
2: i'll uh, have some more fodder for the airwaves
1: thank you for sharing your stories and rants with us It was a blast as usual. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel.
0: Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast.
2: I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm excited. Can you tell? I can. No, This is excited for Matt. That's excited. Yeah, I- I'm excited. I'm really excited to be here.